You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with John J. O'Connor. John, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks, Brainerd. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Me too. Today is um, it's the 30th of March in 2022, so we're hopefully edging out of the pandemic now. Um, you're in Peekskill, New York, and um, I'm interested in what's going on in your studio. I, I know you're preparing for a show in the fall at, at False Flag. Um, what's, what's happening in the studio at the moment? Yeah, so the, I have a show at False Flag in the fall, so working towards that. But, um, yeah, I'm actually on – so I teach as well, so I'm on sabbatical this semester, which has been great because it's been a chance for me to really – like fully focus on my work, which I haven't been able to really do in a number of years since I started teaching and kind of balancing that in life and a number of things. So, yeah, I have, um, I mean, I mostly make drawings in my own work, although I have, you know, I have some sculptures and some animation going, but I'm working on a number of large-scale drawings that are really sort of slow to develop. Um, but I have, like, yeah, I don't know, I have the entire studio filled with you know, paper from floor to ceiling and working on a number of different types of drawings. I'm also collaborating with a writer, so he and I are um, working at that's a little bit more digital, although there's some drawing involved in that too. And then I work with a, a, a group, we do more multimedia projects, we're called non, non-core projectors, so we're working towards the show and the, that's opening in the uh, summer, and so that's kind of all happening at the same time. So, you know, Traditionally, I've mostly been more of a, you know, sort of drawing, painting person where I'm mostly working in, in the studio, sort of a solitary practice, which is most of my time, but it's been interesting to collaborate. And all those things kind of feed off of each other, which I, I find really exciting, and it feels like a, like a new sort of way of thinking for me in the studio. That's interesting. So let's go into some of those in, in, in more detail. The, the false flag show, um, what, will, what will be in that? Will, will there be drawings in there? Is there something specific in terms of working towards that? I know we're still early in the year, um, but for the fall show, yeah, well, what do you imagine will be in that? And and is that in process now? What is that? Yeah, it's, I mean, I think probably a lot of what <clears throat> what's in the studio now will be in that show, although I haven't, we haven't chosen anything in particular because they're, they were in Long Island City, they're moving, so, and then it's in conjunction um, with Pierogi, which is the gallery I generally show at, but they are sort of in a sort of transitional phase too. So, um, I mean, I have uh, a large-scale drawing that's part of this ongoing series, which is a kind of a narrative. Uh, they're really like eight-foot-tall drawings, and they kind of um, they they move from piece to piece. So the drawing, they, I'm, I'm I think just the fifth, and I want to do one for each letter of the alphabet. So I have a new one in that series uh, called those the butterfly drawings. They kind of move from they move from top to bottom, left to right, sort of like just like a story, and it's uh, you know kind of like a, a person that is encountering a number of different sort of obstacles, substances, things that kind of direct their uh, movements through life, and it has a bit of a comic feel, it has a little bit of like a tapestry feel, or almost like a soap opera. So that that's an ongoing series that I have. Um, I have one large new piece going for that. I'll probably have in the show. I have a a couple of smaller drawings, which I've been doing word morphs, where 
I'm kind of interested in these uh, like sort of incremental transformations of things from one state to another. You know, the way that you know you may. You, I guess I'm thinking about it in terms of age. You know, you just wake up one day and you're old. Uh, so, but uh, thinking about it in terms of even the weather. You know, the idea that it's could be raining and then you know it's raining, but then all of a sudden it's turned to ice and you don't know the exact moment when that change has happened. So, a number of drawings I've been dealing with. I've been kind of exploring that. And I'm doing some of these um, like word morphs where basically it's two words or, or more that I slowly shift the letters, uh, the place of the letters, and the words begin to kind of um, take, they kind of move. They move in a list, of, you know, one begins to substitute for the other and they shift, but it's really a slow transformation. I'm doing a similar drawing, which is the first one I've done is like a large uh, portrait where this idea that sort of, um, and facial features and body parts are being kind of uh, substituted or switched between these two figures. A little bit hard to explain, but that's happening. Um, doing a drawing about car crash. It's a lot to go into. I can I'll talk for a long time. We don't have a lot of time. But there's so, so there's a number of different things that are related. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, I know all that work. <laughs> let's let's start with the, the butterfly painting because I mean, they, they, so of course, these all relate in some ways. But the butterfly drawings. Um, those are those of course have have writing involved in it. There's there's a whole narrative to, to to maybe talk about how you work on one of those. I'm not I'm not sure which one you're working on now or if it's a series, but but as you're saying, it's you know it it they're documenting like um, an individual moving moving through time, right? And um and, and these various things that that they encounter, these narratives that are. Um, of, of all types of things. So, so what is the theme now? What is the, what is the the content of those now? Has that shifted? You know, what 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 the individual is encountering is is what I'm asking. I'm asking about the the content of of these of the recent um, butterfly drawings. Yeah, that's a good. I've been thinking about that a lot actually, about how it's changed over time because it started initially had the idea thinking about. Um, sort of like prescription medication. And it came from like a personal story. My grandmother, you know, many years ago was, um, was in a nursing home and she, you know, she was ill, but she, you know, she was on so many different medications that I remember being at the office one day and she, she said, uh, the doctor came in and she said, I have no appetite. And he, he said, well, we can give you something for that. Uh, he said, it's probably being caused by some combination of your medication. But I thought, you know, Interestingly, now she'll take something which will cause her to have an appetite, but that, you know, then that may have another side effect which could cause her to have another thing that needs to be treated. So there was this sort of, um, you know, her personality or her identity was being affected, even just her physical movements, which then would in turn affect her psychological state or being affected by, um, <clears throat> you know, the medications that she was taking and being prescribed. She needed them, but I, you know, it was a weird phenomenon. So I started to make a drawing about that. I did a couple in the first, the first couple of these drawings in the series were more like that where I was thinking, you know, someone takes some medication and I would look up side effects and then I would randomly choose a side effect and then they would, you know, so basically if you take an aspirin and then you, you, um, you know, causes you to have some effect, then I would have it relate to, you know, if I took an aspirin and I had to go in this, you know, move in this direction in the story. You know, as it went along, you know, it becomes repetitive, and I didn't want to – I wanted the story to evolve. So then I started to let it reference other things, you know, like I was thinking about movies, music, um, tying it into short stories or and, and literature, things like that, that began to kind of, um, 
you know, influence the story. And now this one is a sort of more of a, which actually ties into a lot of my other work, has to deal with memory loss. This one, sort of the idea that this, the character in the story is starting to kind of forget, um, forget small things, which then begin to spiral into something that feels much larger towards the bottom of the drawing or the end of the drawing. So, you know, my thought is that once I'm finished with this, I need to, I'm on so letter E, so I guess I'm on the fifth of the 26th, which if I finish in my lifetime, I'll, I'll probably be surprised. But um, I'm curious because, you know, they, stories can get a little bit ridiculous. They almost get a little embarrassing for me. I can't, you know, so I'm trying to figure out how to move forward with these. And so my thought is to systematize the next series of them, almost make it like a game where I kind of, you know, have a series of, you know, events and, and then consequences and, and obstacles, things like that. I haven't worked out the plan, but that's sort of where I'm going with these. But they, you know, they, I've been working on them for many, for years. You know, they're very slow and uh, I love drawing them. I like, the drawings don't, um, I don't plan them out uh, too much ahead of time. I mostly start at the top left, start the story, I start to draw. And then as it works its way down to the bottom, it's like, it's, it's you know, I sort of thought it was interesting, like reading the pages of the story uh, you know, or a book um, is very different than if you were to look at a piece of art. But in this case, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that space between reading, decoding, looking for, you know, symbols, things that maybe would signify something, but also looking at the work aesthetically, color, and how those things can kind of, you know, fuse with the narrative to some degree. I don't know if that answers your question, but... It does answer the question, and, and uh, you know, it's also, you're right, about, about our visual relationship with the world and the navigation in the in the last in the last two years i mean you know so much has changed in the world right we're, we're again we're talking right at the end of march in 2022 um have the last two years changed your your relationship to the text that you're talking about and the imagery you're talking about in terms of navigation and what's seen in memory because it, it, in some sense for me all that all that has changed a bit um or I'm looking at things a little bit differently, some of the issues your work yeah. raises or, or what the viewer goes through. Do you see a noticeable change in, in that? Yeah, that, no, that's a great question. I guess um, I think a lot about how the, the you know, last few years have, or a couple of years, I guess, have affected, you know, what I'm thinking about. I mean, there's like an overt, uh, some, some of the things that happened, you know, with the pandemic, and even with, um, you know, political events of the past couple of years are maybe more directly integrated into the work. I have been thinking a lot about how, you know, what does it mean to make art in this time and how do you make art that is, that reflects or connects to the, you know, what's happening in the world around you. And I kind of do that through systems that I can find a way to enter into, a lot of language and things like that. Um, but... Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of these drawings, I think, uh, I don't know how these drawings would be. They are being affected by it, but I think it's not, the newer ones, the ones that are, you know, maybe they, this drawing was sort of started right as the pandemic began, so it sort of has some of the changes embedded in it, but the newer drawings, these kind of substitutions, the sort of incrementalism, these like, the drawings that deal more with like, uh, transformations are interesting, are more maybe related to that, to what's happening now, because I started to think a lot about how, you know, or what's always been in my work, I guess, is like what's happening that we don't understand or can't see, and how do you begin to kind of um, 
you can investigate that in an artwork, you know, if there's some, some forces at work, whether they're political or medical or anything, how do you begin to give those or map those in some way? And the new drawings, I guess, are, are getting at that a bit more, is thinking a lot more about, you know, belief systems, how we come to understand things to be real, conspiracy theories. Um, even the beginning of the pandemic sort of thinking, you know, thinking that it was we, we would pass, you know, communicate um, COVID through touch, you know, or just through shaking hands and then we didn't wear masks at first, sort of this idea that it was all sort of in the air or around us, but we didn't quite understand how to catch up to it. You know, there's this feeling that things have already happened and we're sort of playing catch up. So, I, you know, a lot of the work now, I guess the language and subject matter dealing with kind of, um, um, you know, uh, sort of cognitive dissonance and, um, you know, sort of psychological paradoxes. Those things weren't so much in my work before, but they are now. I think that's a reflection of what's been happening, you know. It sure is. And those are, those are, those are complex issues that aren't kind of mystifying, which is kind of what I was getting at was, is, is that part of, because that kind of dissonance is really mystifying in terms of what's, what's happening in, in, the, yeah. in the global conversation, so to speak, without even getting into politics in so many ways. But, but of course, it's politics as, as well. Um, uh, that's, that's part of what's happening also formally in your work is, is, is what I'm driving at. That, that content, that type of content, is, is that also shifting how things are being presented? Because even in the one you were talking about, this idea of sort of losing memory but not quite sure, there's, a, there's this, this kind of self-doubt isn't the right word, but, but something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. The visually, so it's visually, there are things that have changed in the past couple of years. Uh, and it's in conjunction with the, the sort of conceptual shift. But a lot of what I started to do what I've, in these works are more, you know, I often kind of, uh, I guess they build in complexity through repetition of sort of what seem like simple elements, almost like a, like jokes or, you know, almost like it's coding or something where there's um, one thing happens and it has a certain consequence or, a, you know, it has a cause and effect, and then if you do that one time, it seems sort of innocuous, but if that happens again and again, maybe in the same way that, you know, a, a mystery could be repeated over and over again and eventually becomes true, or the way, and then you may believe it to be true and then act on it. You know, I've been really interested in the drawings, having that <clears throat> feeling of kind of innocence or humor or feeling like they're, they're funny, but then there's a kind of darker, I don't know if I'd say insidious, but like a darker undertone that is driving the sort of repetition and it's that's in a lot of the new drawings and it wasn't before um and also just sort of pulling i pull a lot more from there's a lot more pop culture stuff you know sort of like i'm really interested in the sort of symbols or the ways we communicate you know through like media not just social media but all different types and so i've been drawing i'm kind of really interested in drawing kinds of uh you know pop images but making them look as real as I can make them through a drawing. In a sense, there's a kind of uncanniness in that that we normally would, I guess, think related to a, a person, right, an uncanny resemblance to someone or something, um, or the uncanny, but this through a kind of, almost like if you see a logo that's repeated a million times, if you hand draw it, it becomes kind of an original again and has this strange feeling that it could be reproduced, but also it's drawn really slowly. So kind of interested in the... the dynamic between those two things. I want to ask about the collaboration that 
is also coming up, the collaborative show. Uh, what will that look like in the, in, in the end, if, if I can ask that? And, um, and what's being made for that now? How is that structured? Yeah, so um, that show, so I, I'm not sure if I mentioned the, the name of the group, but we're, it's called Non-Core Projector. We have um, it's a number of, so with different, you know, it's almost like a band where we each have a different role, but um, it's me, then Rolo Carpenter, who is a computer scientist. He invented this chatbot, Cleverbot, which is really plays a central role in a lot of the projects we do. Um, it's Jack Colton, who works in video and projection, and then Elias Jarzenbeck, who's like our main, one of the main um, coders uh, and also does music and experimental sound. And then we just added uh, Nathaniel Clark, who was actually a, f- a friend from mine from high school, who because of the pandemic we reconnected. So he, he, he is doing a lot of the coding and working through the ideas as well. So it's been great to have him part of it. But yeah, so it's, a, it's sort of, you know, it's really connected to the work <clears throat> I'm doing in my drawings. What's interesting about the drawings, though, is that, you know, they – I work on those really slowly and over time and everything on the paper, everything I think of like notes, you know, thoughts, any bit, any little change is visible. So I can really see the drawings evolve. Um, and it's also just pencil on paper. It's really like a kind of, you know, so, so analog, it's couldn't be closer to that. But this project in the ones we work on, it's been, it's more multimedia and it, it deals similarly with this idea of a sort of transformation of a, like a phenomenon or event or something that's hyperlocal, how it get that that gets sort of transformed through, you know, how we describe it in language, how we tell sto- how we tell something a story to someone else, almost like a game of telephone where, as you start to tell something or tell someone about it, it you know that begins to kind of morph or transform, and so we are the show. You know, we don't have what's interesting about it. And I, I talk about it in relation to drawings. We don't have. We're still working on all the parts. So. We don't, we don't see it together until the installation, which is really can be scary but also exciting in that we have a lot of parts and when we get into the space in July, we'll really then begin to sort of see it all put together. Um, but the gist of it is that it's, uh, it's called Reclobe TV in all of our projects, our anagrams of previous projects. And uh, it's pulling local um, police scanner chatter, so whatever is happening really hyper-locally, temporally, uh, we're using that as a kind of starting point. It's pulling that, that, that uh, audio, and then there's a microphone connected to that, which transcribes that into text. And that text then, um, which there's some error, and it, it attempts to listen to it and transcribe it, but it can't perfectly. That gets then, um, we use that to sort of feed a laptop, and it searches on uh, news sites, and it pulls headlines, and then enters those into YouTube. And it begins to sort of get at this transformation of the, you know, the initial event. Something happens, you know, you know, someone you know, breaks into a uh, store or whatever, or there's this a you know, traffic incident uh, that then begins to kind of get morphed. Imagine that you know there's thinking of like someone's sitting at home, hears about something happening, you know, and then starts to look it up online, read some news stories, looks on YouTube. The more media, the more times, the farther away you get away from that original event, the more it starts to change and turn into something else. So the project then will will deal will sort of go through those. Um, textual transformations, and then we'll project videos, which are you know YouTube videos that are coming from the the news sources that are projected, and then those are being manipulated, uh, and so it becomes a kind of sensory experience where it's you know audio, visual, light, color, 
And um, it's a really lo a long process, so I, can, I should probably not continue too long. But basically by the end, we sort of analyze the language for its emotional potency. And then we begin to kind of graph that and then create a uh, – by the end, there's a printout, a sort of like an abstraction that results, or at least that's you know, how the project stands now, that sort of shows how this – or kind of returns the original you – know, kind of concludes the cycle – uh, in a sort of sensory way. It becomes like a, a physical, tactile, real thing at the end that uh, connects it to the start, which was the, you know, the first moments when something that happens you know, in, in the town um, is communicated. And so really exciting in that it's like very, very different than what I do in the studio. It also gets back to when I was a kid, my grandfather always had a police scanner in, in his house, and we would sit you know, on the weekends and We'd have dinner and he'd have the police scanner going and always sort of know what was happening around town. So there's like, it's publicly available, it's free, it doesn't give any personal information. And a lot of it is code, you know, like they're attempting to kind of tell you, tell something about uh, or communicate what's just happened. But it's pretty interesting in that it's the first sort of, uh, you know, the first moments when some, something that's happened is kind of transformed into language. And then our piece lets it sort of you know, spiral out of control from there and then return to something that becomes very different but has a relationship to that starting point. Does that make any sense at all? It does. It's <laughs> awesome. not. It does make sense. It sounds, it sounds, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's immersive. It's, uh, you know, I certainly understand that, 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 that the idea of that feed of police chatter and, and how, that, how that will be integrated, where will that happen? And um, what, what gallery or space? So this is at the, it's actually in Wyoming. So it's so we're pulling from there. It's the University of Wyoming Art Museum, and uh, they've been really great. We have a really, a really incredible space. We've had two shows so far. We did a show at the Boiler, which is in Brooklyn, that was back in 2017, and then we did a show at False Flag in 2018. And so, um, and we've been doing some other things here and there. But yeah, so that's out in Wyoming, and we're really excited because we'll, you know, we. Um, we haven't really worked in another location. We've always worked in New York up to this point. And this one's very, you know, um, lo very local and site-specific. At least the starting point is, you know. So. Well, that sounds exciting and, and, and is kind of a, a complex collaboration, but, but one with, um, with a pattern because this is how you've collaborated before, right? Yeah, yeah. We, ha we have done this before and we added a member, but, um, yeah, it's, it's actually, you know, and, and I think working – you know, working remotely has sort of helped because we can do things more. We used to always meet, you know, and do it in person, but Rolo Carpenter lives in, in England and then uh, Nat Clark's in California. So we, we Zoom every Saturday and then we work on our own, you know, through, you know, um, when we come back to the meetings, we sort of share <clears throat> how everything's, in the, you know, how everything's coming along. I know it's kind of like a film or something. Where everyone has their own sort of area that they're, strong at and then we sort of bring it together and hope it works out so well it sounds exciting um i look forward to Thanks, hearing yeah. more about that and um i want to ask you one more question which is what are you reading at the moment reading oh yeah so um let's see i mean i i in a studio i listen to a lot of books actually so i don't know if that's considered reading but um actually that's a good question right is it reading or not but I mean, I've been. I think so. I think so. I think so. I mean, audiobooks reading. I'm, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the side that yes, that is reading. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do. I, yeah. So I have. I have. It's, yeah. I listen to a lot of books in the studio. So that. But that often is kind of. Uh, I listen to. Some fiction, but I've been looking at. I was really. I'm really interested in. Um, I think it's Daniel Carms, K H A R M S. Uh, writes these very short stories, and they have a kind of almost a strange cyclical logic to them. And uh, you know, my my wife and Holly introduced uh, him to me. And I thought, wow, this is, uh, I can't believe, you know, I recently just, within the last year, discovered his, his writing. So I've been, I have that in the studio, kind of dog-eared, and been looking at those stories, and those have been influential. I, I always have, I also have just printed out a <clears throat> Bartholomew, Donald Bartholomew story, a game, which is something that, you know, is, is in a lot of the work, too. But um, there's also, I just picked up, I haven't read it yet, but Antonio Damasio's uh, Feeling and Knowing, which is about, consciousness and that that related more to um well i mean relates to my drawings and and my own personal work but also connects to the collaborations i'm working on so all those things are kind of floating around at the same time but yeah i don't know um yeah it's it's just yeah it's interesting to think about it i don't read a lot of art related things anymore i don't know about you but uh some but i tend to read things that are you know more feeding into the work and whereas i used to read much more you know Part-related things, but but very rarely now. So, well, thanks. That does sound interesting. All of those, um, John. I want to thank you for talking with me today. I appreciate your your time and your work. I wish you well with uh, upcoming shows. There'll be links here for people to know more. And uh, thank you so much. Well, thanks, Brady. Thanks so much. It was really fun talking with you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs>